This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This year at Christian Chapel, uh, we are sharing stories of what God has done in our community. Uh, Some of those are are recent stories of God's healing, God's salvation, God's provision. Some of them are older stories, Uh, but we want to take time each week to really just thank God for what he's done and also ask him to do it again. And so this week, uh, we have a story from Marty Gruenwald. Um, it's actually a story about Marty's husband, Ben. Ben passed away a couple years ago, but when Marty sent, one this, sent this one in to me a couple weeks ago, it just really kind of blew me away. I'm excited to share it with you today. Um, Marty wrote, My husband, Ben, had been a smoker for decades of his adult life. He had tried to stop several times during our marriage with no success. In February of 1994... Uh, which probably sounds like a long time ago to some of us and yesterday to others of us. Uh, But 1994, we were at a church conference in Evergreen, Colorado. At one point during one of the meetings, the leader noticed there were several smokers present and asked if any of them would like to be set free from that addiction. Ben responded and went forward for someone to pray with him. As they prayed, Ben was completely and miraculously set free from his desire to smoke, and it never returned again. God not only took away the addiction, but also graciously and supernaturally healed Ben of a deep and persistent cough that he had developed due to years of smoking. That wasn't the end of the miracle. God took away Ben's addiction, healed his lungs and his cough, but when we returned to our home, we were amazed to find that there was no smell of smoke anywhere in the house. Despite decades of smoking, there wasn't a hint of a scent of smoke in Ben's favorite chair. There was no residual smell in his closet as there had been for years. There was no smell on any of his clothes. Even the ashtrays that Ben had so often used had no smell of smoke whatsoever. God had completely set him free, healed him, and removed every sign from our home. It was a complete, thorough, and miraculous occurrence. So uh, again, each week we're we're reading those, we're thanking God for them, we're praying that he'll do it again, but we're also using them as an encouragement. You have your own stories of God's healing, God's salvation, God's provision. Send those in to praise at christianchapel.com. When God does good things for us, we have two options. We can give him glory or we can not give him glory. So I want to encourage you, uh, be part of glorifying God here in our community. Your stories build the faith of others. Your stories encourage others that what God did in the scriptures, he's still doing today. And what he did for you, he can do for them as well. So um, each week we read those, and then we pray to thank God. And we also pray some specific prayers around that, that direction as well. So I want to encourage you today, if you're battling addiction, the enemy wants to keep you in shame. He wants to keep that secret. He wants to keep you feeling hopeless, helpless and alone. Um, But the clear message of the scriptures and what Ben's story reminds us of this morning is that Jesus came to bring us life to the full. And life to the full always involves freedom. There is no addiction that you have to settle with. There is nothing that you have to accept. It doesn't matter if it's been prevalent in your family for generation after generation. It doesn't matter how many promises you have made and broken to God. It doesn't matter how many programs you have tried and failed at. If you have a a life-altering addiction, Jesus' plan is not for you to manage it or live with it. It's to destroy it and set you completely free. 
And so as we pray today, I want to encourage you, what you heard even in Ben's story, Jesus set him free from that addiction through his miraculous power, but also through Ben being humble enough to ask someone else, will you pray with me that God will break these chains in my life? And so at the end of service today, we'll dismiss, and you can go to the prayer room. We have a team of people waiting, and already the enemy is telling you, you can't go there, you can't trust them, you don't know them. I just want to remind you what the scriptures tell us. The one who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so if you will go ask others to join with you, God will come and work in miraculous ways. And Ben's won't just be a story that you clap for. It will be a a prototype of what you're going to experience in your own life as well. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you uh, for this story from Ben and Marty of your miraculous provision. We thank you, Lord, that Ben's life continues even today to be a testimony to us of your healing power and your power to set free and deliver. And now, Jesus, we come and express our gratitude, and we also come and ask, will you do it again? Lord, will you completely set free from every addiction that has any one of us bound up in any way? Jesus, we pray that you would set us free from addictive behaviors, from destructive choices, that you would set us free, Lord, from, de- from addictions to painkillers, from d- addictions to alcohol, from addictions to other drugs, from other dependencies, Lord, that you would break the chains of pornography addictions today, Lord, that you would break the chains of every destructive force that the enemy has planted in our lives. Jesus, we pray today that as we face the shame, the guilt, and the uncertainty of confessing our sins to you and to others, will you come today and assure us that you have come to proclaim freedom to the captives. Lord, you have not come to heap condemnation, but to release your conviction that leads to life and freedom. So Jesus, will you come in this moment? Will you come in the prayer room in moments to come? Will you show up in our conversations and in our interactions. Lord, I, I just pray especially for those in the room, Lord, that, that you, I sense they, they just have a sense of hopelessness in regards to their addiction. Today, Lord, may they know you brought them here to hear these words. You want to set them free. And so, Jesus, we, as a, an action to take, Lord, we want to confess our sins to you. We want to invite others into the process, and we want to experience the wholeness of life that you've come to bring us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, if you have your own stories, please send those to us, praise at christianchapel.com. Today we are continuing our Kingdom Builders message series. Kingdom Builders is how we start every new year at Christian Chapel. Every January into the first part of February, we uh, talk about how God has a plan for us to be part of building his kingdom. It's an opportunity for us to evaluate uh, how we're investing our time, our energy, our resources in so many different ways. Today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what it means to be a silent partner in building God's kingdom. Now, in in business, a silent partner is someone who is financially invested in an organization or in a particular project, but they don't have any day-to-day responsibility, any oversight um, in the job itself. The only way they benefit is if the company succeeds, they get a return on their initial investment. This morning, what we'll see is that as kingdom builders, oftentimes we are called to make investments in God's kingdom where we function as silent partners. We give and we pray and we serve, and sometimes God allows us to see the results of of those efforts, and other times we never know what the outcome is, but we're trusting God with the process. 
particularly when we're giving to global missions, we are giving to support people we will never meet in places we will never go, and we are the definition of silent partners, just trusting that God is going to use our gifts to accomplish his purposes. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 teaches us uh, about this principle of sowing and watering and God bringing the increase. And in doing so, Paul is encouraging us that we not only should be okay, but we should celebrate the opportunities we have to be silent partners in building God's kingdom. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 4. Paul writes, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are, God, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul is teaching us that to be a kingdom builder, to be a silent partner, is to live with a kingdom focus. The Corinthian church was falling for a temptation that many in the church have fallen for since that time. It's the idea that somehow it's not enough to celebrate that Jesus builds his church, but we want to get a little bit of recognition in the process with him. And if we can't get the recognition, then we at least want our leader to be the one who gets the attention. The Apostle Paul was the one who had planted the church in Corinth. Apollos had followed after him and continued to preach and teach. And through both men, God was growing the church. And yet it seems early in the life of their church, there was division as some wanted to give all of the credit to Paul and some wanted to give all of the credit to Apollos. And the moment Paul hears about this, his response is clear and direct. And if you were writing in today's language, you would have told them, knock it off. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. What matters is that the job is getting done. To be a kingdom builder is not to work ourselves up over, am I getting my recognition? Will they put my name on the building? Will the missionary send me a special shout-out video telling me that my gift single-handedly saved a continent? Will they, you know, we just kind of start to look for these moments. And if if not, can we at least get a Christian chapel shout-out? Can we at least get somebody to show some appreciation for our sacrifices? Can we? And Paul just says, hey, hey, we're not going to do that. He says, what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. Paul's point is the preacher's name doesn't matter. The missionary's giftings are secondary. It's not about who's creative. It's not about who built the building. It's not about who had the first idea. And, And we live in a social media culture where it is all about who gets the attention. It's all about who gets the credit. Where it's all about, like, hey, yeah, I want to support the thing, but I'm also going to need to go and shoot a video so I can post on my story so others know that I supported the thing. Like, Jesus is cool, but don't forget about me. And Paul's language to us would be the same as the Corinthians of, who do you think you are? You're just servants, and you're doing your job. And he doesn't mean it in a derogatory, shut up and know your role kind of way, right? He's actually elevating us to say, hey, you are, you're, you're partnering in building God's kingdom. 
And God will take your gifts and he'll use them in some really supernatural ways. Paul uses some language that, that has remained so relevant today, just as relevant as it was then. He tells us when one says, sorry, let's go to verse 6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be, recorded, be rewarded according to their own labor. Paul saying, our job is to do our job. And as we do our job, God accomplishes his plans and his goals. Today, we're focusing on our Kingdom Builders projects and commitments for 2023. As we do that, you can grab that card that's in the, the seat back pocket in front of you. And on the front of it, it has a breakdown of how we're giving in 2023. But before we jump into the details of that, I want to encourage you that when you participate in Kingdom Builders, you are sowing and you are watering, and God is going to make things grow. Tonight we have our, our Kingdom Builders celebration. We have uh, this great lineup of some international food that you can come and sample. There's a kids' missions adventure for sixth grade and under that goes on at the same time. We'll meet down in the gym at 6 o'clock tonight. It's a fundraiser for our Chapel Youth Missions team, and so you can bring in some donations, make those at the door to, to help them come. But tonight, what we're really doing is we're just celebrating that when we sow and when we water, God makes his kingdom grow. And so we'll tell you a little bit about some of the things that God did last year. We'll tell you some, some about what God is going to do in the coming year that we see through the ministries we're partnering with. But it's an opportunity to come and to celebrate. Our goal this year through Kingdom Builders is to give away $550,000 to build God's kingdom globally, locally, and in the next generation. And so at Christian Chapel, Kingdom Builders giving is over and above our regular giving. Every January and February, we stop and we, we ask the Lord, how would you want me to partner and participate? We ask you to fill out these commitment cards, not because we're, we're going to hound you later in the year and see if you're making your commitment, but really it just helps us budget as we're going through the year and, and sending funds out to all the missionaries and ministries that we support. So take that card in your hand, hold it, uh, and we're going we're gonna to pray about it here in just a little bit. We're going to have an opportunity to fill it out. You can drop those off. You can do it online at christianchapel.com slash kingdombuilders. But I want to walk you through our projects, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like when we sow when we water and how God will bring the increase. So I told you there's three buckets for kingdom builders. The first one is our global missions. It includes $400,000 of giving for 2023. That includes $150,000 in monthly support for over 60 missionaries and ministries working in 30 nations around the world. Missiologists repeatedly affirm that the greatest way to advance the gospel in nations where the church does not have a firm foothold and where Jesus is not known is through boots-on-the-ground missionaries who live and work full-time learning the language, learning the culture, and learning the customs of the people through whom they're ministering to. And so we are coming to support those missionaries on a monthly basis so they are free to focus on the tasks that God has put in front of them. In that 400000 it also includes $170,000 in spontaneous blessings. Each year, we're presented with missionary opportunities and projects that we cannot foresee because sometimes things just come up along the way. Often, we're able to present these to you, and we give generously and joyfully to that. Included in that $170,000 is whatever we will give to build Burundi uh, churches in Burundi in 2023. 
Last year, in 2022, you gave $120,000 to build churches in Burundi, providing permanent structures for newly established church plants that are making a difference in their community. It also includes $20,000 for mass evangelism and healing services in Brazil, for which we'll send two teams this year, one chapel youth team in June and one adult team in the fall to serve with Rubens and Steffi Cunha. It includes $15,000 to build Bible colleges around the world through Priority One, one of the organizations that we support, $15,000 for serving Paraguay Children's Home and School, $10,000 for Home of Hope Children's Home in Bangladesh, $10,000 to repair water wells in Africa with Ben Wade and Overland Missions, and $10,000 for local pastor training in Zambia with Shane and Chelsea Blodorn and Overland Missions. Every single one of those projects are projects of sowing and watering the seeds of the gospel. And every one of those projects, we have stories from previous years of God giving incredible increase. Lives that have been changed, nations whose trajectories have been turned by the investment of the church and their communities. We also have a local bucket in our Kingdom Builders giving. That includes $110,000 of giving this year. 70000 of that is for Royal Family Kids Camp and Mentoring Club. It's a free week of camp provided by Christian Chapel for 7 to 11-year-olds in foster care. This year we hope to take between 60 and 70 campers, depending on budget and volunteers. It also includes a mentoring club that runs throughout the school year. Usually 20 to 30 kids sign up for the mentoring club and are paired with a Christian Chapel adult who spends on average at least six hours a month with them, helping them understand that God loves them and has a plan for them. It includes $15,000 for Crisis Pregnancy Outreach, an organization in town that serves women, babies, and families affected by unplanned pregnancies. $10,000 in spontaneous blessings for needs and opportunities that will arise throughout the year. $5,000 for Crossover Community Impact, an amazing organization serving for community transformation in North Tulsa. $5,000 for Teen Challenge Alcohol and Drug Rehabilitation Programs, bringing freedom from life-controlling addictions to men, women, and teenagers throughout Oklahoma. And $2,000 for local elementary school ministry funding Bible clubs that members of ours run in North Tulsa, as well as investments in our neighborhood school, Jarman Elementary. And finally, our last bucket of Kingdom Builders is Next Generation Investments. We plan to invest $40,000 this year. That includes $17,000 for a Christian Chapel internship program that provides a weekly stipend and a semester scholarship for students who are future church leaders to engage in real-world experience while pursuing their degrees. It also includes $12,000 for kids and student outreach events, providing opportunities for our chapel youth and our chapel kids to invite their friends into fun environments where they're introduced to Jesus. $3,000 for Christian Chapel kids and youth camp scholarships so that no child or teenager at Christian Chapel ever has to hear the words, we're sorry if you can't afford camp, you don't get to go. But instead, we're able to provide opportunities for them. $3,000 for student mission trips for high school students and college students who are part of Christian Chapel, where we can help offset a small portion of their trip so they can experience the global impact of the gospel. And $5,000 for Connected Kids, which is an organization in town that helps serve children in crisis by training educators, foster parents, and parents for how to parent children with trauma backgrounds. Every project is an opportunity to sow and to water seeds of the gospel. Some we are privileged to see the results of and others we don't get to experience and yet we trust that God will work. 
Sometimes we are direct partners in organizations like Royal Family Kids Camp where we are the hands, the feet, the mouths, we're the presence of Jesus. Other times we are silent partners supporting those who serve in places we will never go among people we will never meet. But regardless of our level of face-to-face participation, when you engage in kingdom builder giving, you're never just giving money and then walking away. But you are always making kingdom investments that the scriptures tell us will bring kingdom increase. And, and so to me, Kingdom Builder Sunday is, is always a joyful Sunday because it's an opportunity for us to come and say, Lord, where do you want me to make my investment for the sake of your kingdom? And as we give to Kingdom Builders, it goes out to 60 missionaries and ministries working around the world. It goes out to so many different projects. It goes out all around our community. It goes out into the next generation. And what Paul tells us is that we can give to build God's kingdom with 100% confidence because God's people sow, God's people water, and God makes things grow. It's a promise that when you make kingdom investments, you will see kingdom increase. Now, it it may be different than the kingdom increase you or I are looking for. Oftentimes, there's a temptation of if I make a kingdom investment, I want to see a kingdom increase in my life. I want to give $100, and I would like God to increase it to $1,000, right? And then we'll just keep that process going for the rest of my life. And God may choose to do that. But what Paul is actually teaching us in 1 Corinthians 3 is when you sow and when another waters, the kingdom increase that God brings is Jesus building his church through men, women, teenagers, and children surrendering their lives to him. And at the core of every missionary and ministry that we support is the desire to introduce men, women, teenagers, and children into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We do not simply provide social services. We don't simply provide disaster relief. We don't just try to meet the practical needs of people. We do all of that through our giving, but all of it has the ultimate goal of meeting practical needs to point to their greater spiritual need of encountering Jesus Christ. And what Paul says is when you sow and when someone else waters, God gives the increase. Now, we, it should be enough for us to know this is true from the scripture. Right, we should just say, okay, that's great. I'm going to fill out my card. This is what I feel like God is calling me to give. I'm going to give it, and, and, and here we go. Um, but, but just in case, you're still a little iffy on, but does it actually work that way? I want to invite you just to, to take some time this afternoon to consider how this principle has been true in your life. If you'll stop for, for just a few moments and, and begin to think about your past, think about, think about the place you were saved, where you first came to knowledge of who Jesus was. Think about places where you encountered God's power and God's presence. Think about places where you heard God's voice. Think about people God used to lead you and guide you. Think about the buildings you sat in. Think about the ministries you participated in. Think about the leaders who were there, the servants who were there. And and what you'll probably find is the same thing that that I found as I started to do this this week is there are so many things that God had done in my life where I could point back to a place, but I rarely knew all the people who had went into establishing that place or creating those opportunities for me. And so so I'm going to take you through a a few of those in mine and Angie's life. And and as we do, my encouragement is that that hopefully the Holy Spirit will start to stir in your heart of, oh yeah, I I remember in that place someone else had sowed, someone else had watered, and then your life 
is the increase that God brought. We all, when we're invited to be kingdom builders, we're participating, participating as kingdom builders because somebody else has already done this for us. There's not a single one of us who are where we are because of our own ingenuity, our own energy, our own hard work, our own effort. We are all the result of believers who've gone before us. We are all following Jesus because someone else sowed and someone else watered. Every success we have experienced in life is because of people we know and many, many more that we will never know who laid down their lives, who sacrificed, who gave, who prayed, who served to create spaces, places, and opportunities for us to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel. And now every good thing that has happened through my life and every good thing that has happened through your life is the fulfillment of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. You are the kingdom increase that God promised. And as you look back on your life, it should fill you with hope, faith, and a sense of joy and excitement that what was done for you, you now get to do for others. So, so looking back in my life in a way to do this in a, a condensed way and not take forever, the, the first place I would take you would be to First Assembly of God in Topeka, Kansas. This is the home church that Angie and I grew up in. It sits at the corner of 27th and Topeka Boulevard. The building you see was built in 1963 when I was negative 19 years old. I don't know the people who built it. I don't know the plans that went into it. I don't know the full history of the church. All I know is that at some point the church had started to grow and their old location wasn't big enough anymore. And so there was a group of deacons and a group of pastors and a group of believers who started to pray and God led them to this property. I don't know the list of pastors that led the church. I don't know who served. I don't know who gave generously and joyfully. I don't know who gave sacrificially. I don't know who donated labor or materials to help build the church at a lower cost. All I really remember is that when my family came to Topeka in the early 1990s, I remember there was a mortgage-burning ceremony. I had no idea what any of that meant. I just thought it was really weird that we were burning a piece of paper and people seemed so excited about it. As an adult, now I get it. For 30 years, that church had paid off the building note on that building. But, but it's not about the brick, and it's not about the stained glass, or it's not about the cross. What it's about is at Topeka First Assembly, that's the church where my mother-in-law became a first-generation Christian in her family, where a co-worker at the Menninger Clinic in Topeka began to witness to her about Jesus, where my mother-in-law surrendered her life to Jesus and then was discipled in that church, which resulted in my wife growing up in a home where Jesus was famous and they were planted and established in a local church which meant that when my family showed up in the 90s, Angie was ready to marry me down the road, right? So good things from the Lord. When my family showed up, I was a sixth grader, and I I had a lot of ideas, and I had a lot of energy, and, and I had some interest in the Lord, but not a whole lot. But there were Sunday school teachers, and there were youth pastors, and there were leaders in the church, and in those hallways, and in those classrooms, they taught me about who Jesus was. They challenged me, they encouraged me, they did all that they could to help me experience the fullness of God. It was in that church in Topeka, in the youth room, where I preached my first sermon as a 15-year-old. And all 10 minutes of it were incredible, right? And I shook, and I was scared, and I was nervous, and I went home that night knowing I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. That's what God has called me to do. It was out of Topeka first that, that Angie and I participated in a summer camp program at Wheat State Camp. 
Wheat State is a, a small campground outside of Wichita, Kansas. I tried to do some research this week. It's, it's owned by the Assemblies of God in Kansas. I have no idea when it was built. I have no idea who built it. I don't know how many churches participated. I don't know what the original cost was. I don't know how many hundreds of work days they've had over the decades that camp has been in existence. I couldn't tell you who the camp directors were. I couldn't tell you who maintained the buildings and grounds in the off-season. All I can tell you is it was at Wheat State Camp in fifth grade when I was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can take you back to the spot in the altar as an eighth-grade student where God called me to ministry, and I didn't even know what that meant, but I knew I was going to do it. I could take you back and show you again and again and again meaningful and significant moments in my life that occurred all over that campground because men and women I will never know and churches whose names I will never remember, sowed and watered seeds of the gospel so that I would be able to go to camp from first grade all the way through high school, one week every summer, set aside to hear God's voice. Next place I would take you would be my, my, alma, my college alma mater, Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And then the Assemblies of God Seminary. Angie and I were there. I went to CBC. She and I both graduated from AGTS. We sat in classrooms with names on the door of people that we never knew. We worshiped in chapels that were built decades before we were born. We ate in cafeterias. We lived in dorms. We built relationships in gyms. We were mentored by professors. We built friendships that last to this day. All of it in a place that had started in the early 1920s to train missionaries and ministers for gospel work. There was a vision long before God had given me any kind of vision for my life. And people had given sacrificially, and they had given joyfully. And, and sometimes there's this thought of like, well, I want to give to spiritual stuff. I don't want to just build buildings. And yet I know in my life, there, there are so many buildings that have been a part of God's story. They are holy spaces and places where I encountered him. And you, you have those same stories. So the, the last place that I would take you, if, if you think, well, I, I didn't grow up in church, and I never went to camp, and I didn't graduate college. Well, this last one is for you. Easter 1985, we hosted our first service in Christian Chapel. This picture is not from that specific day, but it's, it's from about the time that we first opened it. And so you can, see, you can see here, there's the baptistry that used to be there. There's, I think I'm standing about where they're standing as they sing, um, just kind of because I want to. We got Bill Timms here, helping lead worship. Greg Davis over here in the nice suit and tie. He affirmed in first service. He still has it. I think he was lying. Easter 1985. I was three years old terrorizing a nursery worker somewhere. My mom was getting called out of service. My parents were wondering if I had a future besides prison. And Easter 1985, Christian Chapel was worshiping in their building. And, and, and we're so far removed, I think we just take for granted of, well, this has just always been here. Our church, for the first nine years, we met in rented facilities all over South Tulsa. We met in, uh, first in an apartment with four members, 61st in Peoria. We met in business parks. We met in office spaces. We were flooded out of some, lost the lease in others. We met in what is currently Metro High School. For years, we met in Thoreau School right here across the park. For over nine years, set up and tear down every Sunday. Put in, haul out every Sunday. 
So on Easter 1985, when that young church held their first service in this building, it was this momentous and joyful occasion of remembering how the Lord had provided. And there were so many people who gave generously and sacrificially to make that happen. Right? We were a young church. And, and of that group, I know some of the people, but there are many of them that I have never met. Many of their stories I will never know. Their faces I would never remember. But their sacrificial giving, their sacrificial participation then was sowing and watering seeds of the gospel that have continued to bear fruit from 1985 until today in 2023. And we are all recipients of their obedience to the Lord. And, and I'm just, I'm curious of two things. First of all, how many of you were not born in 1985? You were not alive in 1985. There you go. Awesome. We won't ask who was. We'll just, we don't need that. Uh, second question, how many of you were part of Christian Chapel in 1985 when we opened this building? That's awesome. Will you help me just say thanks to them? One of, one of my favorite parts of Christian Chapel is that we, we still get the benefit of our founding members. And we get to enjoy it. They get to see the fruit of their labor. They get to see that this is actually true. They, they sowed and they watered and God brought the increase. And they get to see it over and over and over again. And, and in your life, you know it's true as well. What Paul's teaching us is God always, use our king, God always uses our kingdom gifts to make things grow. It's a promise. If you'll invest in God's kingdom, your gifts, some of, some of the time you'll see it, some of the time you won't, but it will always result in kingdom increase. And so when we invite you to partner with us to be a kingdom builder, it is a, an invitation into a guaranteed investment of as we give, God's kingdom will grow. Men, women, teenagers, children. In our city, in the next generation, here in our church body, around the state, around our nation, all around the world, men and women, through your kingdom builders giving, are going to surrender their lives to Jesus. You can give generously, you can give joyfully, you can give with a sense of expectation and anticipation. We do our our very, very best to fully vet every Kingdom Builders partner that we have, to make sure that they are investing their time, their energy, and their resources to introducing men and women into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, to making sure they're doing that for teenagers and children. And so this morning, I'm standing before you saying, you can give generously, joyfully, and with confidence that your gifts will achieve their purposes in the places where God uses them. Sometimes I know you can see a number like 550,000 and maybe you've already been praying and you know the amount that God has spoke to you to give is, is just a, a fraction of a percentage of that number. And there's, there's a temptation at times if you feel like I'm a very small partner in a very big project to think, does it even matter if I participate? My encouragement to you today is, is twofold. One, it matters because if Jesus calls you to do it, your path of obedience is the path of blessing in your life. And two, if Jesus calls you to do it, he has a plan to use your gift to achieve his purposes. And again, let's, let's go back to the language Paul uses. He says, one plants, 
one waters, but God gives the increase. And, and just, I, I know we're not, we don't have a lot of farmers at Christian Chapel, but I think we have enough people who are smart enough to understand how a small seed, when it's planted in the ground, can grow into something far larger than anything we would have ever imagined. We can also understand that, that even though we can maybe scientifically explain the process of how that seed transforms into its eventual form, that there's also an element of the miraculous and unexplainable in it. If we can describe it, and yet we can never make it do it on our own. And in the same way, when you make kingdom gifts, you're sowing, you're watering, and then you're releasing it. Because you can't make any kingdom increase in someone else's life. I can't make anyone else follow Jesus. You can't make anyone else surrender their life to him. But as we participate, as we give, as we serve, we are creating opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work and to accomplish his purposes. A couple weeks ago, Angie and I were able to go to a conference put on by one of our Kingdom Builders partners. They're called Priority One, and they build Bible colleges all over the world. Each year, they they gather their supporters together. They present stories from the previous year and tell us about their plans for the upcoming year. This year, as we sat in that, that fundraising banquet, Angie and I heard a story of God's ability to use what seemed to be small and insignificant gifts to accomplish his purposes in incredible ways. It, it was a perfect illustration of what Paul is telling us. One sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. So I want to share that story with you this morning and then the band's going to come back, and we're going to sing a final song, make our Kingdom Builders commitments, and, and we'll be finished up this morning. But uh, I hope you enjoy the story. It's from Priority One, one of our Kingdom Builders partners. I got saved at the age of 16 when I was about to end my life. That day when I got saved, a real miracle took place in my life. I had left home many months. That was the first day I got back home. And my first words to my parents was, I want to go out and tell every young man and woman that God can do a miracle where their lives will be transformed and that they would become a new creation. That's the way I started my ministry. I was 16, now I'm 85 years of age, but that is still burning in me. The second day after my new birth, I was a soul winner in a totally Buddhist village, and I had many people saved, healed, Demons cast out and miracles taking place without even the knowledge of the Bible. But later on, I was losing the grip that I had on this marvelous, glorious gospel. 
and the Lord awakened me. And then I was ready to go to Bible school. But the Bible school would not accept my application because I had only seven standard knowledge in Sinhala. I couldn't speak a word of English. I didn't understand English. And therefore, they rejected my application. For three years, I applied. They refused to accept me. They said, you have no qualification. One day, the principal of the Bible college, Carl F. Graves from Michigan, USA, came to preach in the village church. I was seated in front. I was getting blessed when the translator translated his message. I shouted, hallelujah, praise the Lord. At the end of the message, he came to me. He said, Colton, you want to go to Bible school? I said, yes. I'll give you three months to audit classes. It became six months. One year, two years. My father died. I had nobody to pay that small amount for my boarding and for my courses. I prayed earnestly. I said, God, you know my heart. I want to preach this message to the nooks and corners of Sri Lanka. And please help me to stay. I came to the last day. I packed my bag. And I said, Lord, I make a promise. I'll go and take any job. I can't do a big job. I had no qualification. I said, even a laborer's job I'll do. But half of my salary I will send to the school to train someone in my place. Following morning I tapped at the door and I said, Sister Graves, I want to talk to Brother Graves. So when you say you want to talk to the principal those days, you shiver in your boots. Brother Graves came out. He patted me on the back. He said, come to the office. I went. We normally those days stand before our superiors in respect. He said, take a seat. He said, read this letter. Handed me a letter. It was written by an old lady, Florence Pocconi, in Panama City, Florida, in the USA. And he says to the principal, I want to tell you, God spoke to me of a place called Ceylon. Sri Lanka was in Ceylon. And I went to the world map. I searched and searched, but I found no place called Ceylon. I wrote to DFM in Springfield, Missouri, asked them whether they had a Bible school. They sent me this, your address. You know, there's a student who is called of God, but he has no support. I am a poor widow living by a small pension, but I thought I must support this student. I have no bank account, therefore I can't send you a check. I'm enclosing these dollar bills and I pray that God will help you to pay this student and to keep him till he get graduated. I read that letter, I burst out in tears. I'm just leaving out of Bible school and here this money is handed. 
It's okay to clap. Yeah, that's fine. We're, we're learning still as a church, but just, I mean, future reference. We got all in or all out. You're the one person trying to start it, and everyone else is like, it's not PGA. It's okay. So you can always clap and celebrate good things that God has done. Uh, that, that story, it, it struck me. I hope it struck you in the same way of, again, our job is to sow, and our job is to water, and God gives the increase. And when God calls us to give, when he calls us to participate, it's not our job to evaluate if our gift is big enough to make a difference. It's our job to give generously and joyfully with a deep-seated assurance that when God's people sow and when God's people water, God always brings kingdom increase. And he grows his kingdom in places we will never go, among people we will never meet, in ways that we could never imagine. And through our Kingdom Builders giving this year, we give generously and joyfully knowing that stories like that are going to continue. And some of them we will be privileged to hear, and many of them we will never know. In many instances, we will serve as silent partners. The faces that are never known, the names that are never remembered, the gifts that are never acknowledged. And yet we're not giving for our acclaim, and we're not giving for our memory but we're giving out of obedience to the Lord. We're sowing and we're watering so that what was achieved in our life will be achieved in the lives of others. That people all around the world will continue to experience the growth of God's kingdom in their lives. And when they do, our gifts multiply because now they become people who sow and water and God continues to bring the increase. I want to encourage you to take some time before you leave this morning. You can fill out that Kingdom Builders commitment card. You can drop it in any of the buckets on your way out this morning. You can bring it back with you this evening if you need some time to think and pray about it. You can fill out an online commitment at christianchapel.com slash kingdombuilders. Again, that's just a way for us to be able to budget and to make these gifts throughout the year. Uh, But what we've seen year after year is, is to this point with our Kingdom Builder goals, through your generosity and through God's gracious provision, every year we have exceeded the goal that we set in January, believing that the same thing's going to happen again this year. And so I just want to invite you to take some time to consider that. But if you'll stand with me now, the band's going to lead us in a final song. I asked them to, to lead us through that song we sang at the beginning, a song of celebration, a song of, of just talking about God's ability to do what he has said he will do. As they lead us, if you'd like someone to join with you in prayer, maybe to begin your relationship with Jesus for his salvation, his healing, his provision, maybe those addiction prayers we prayed earlier were specifically for you, I want to invite you to head out the back doors and to your left to our prayer room. We've got a a team of pastors and prayer team leaders ready to pray with you and see God's will accomplished in your life. We believe he still heals, he still saves, he still sets free. So take that step of faith, head out the doors, let us pray with you. The rest of us, let's sing this last song of celebration together this morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.